in sixth grade, I had to do my first research paper. Anybody remember sixth grade? Okay, that's good. Well, sixth grade, I, I remember yet, right? You haven't been there yet. You can't remember where you haven't been yet, right? That's good. Well, sixth grade, I, I remember having to do our first research paper, and uh, I was so intimidated by it, but it was on, you had to pick a state, and you had to give research on that particular state. And so my project in sixth grade was the state of Alaska, and I got to study all about it and the population and the climate and all these things that we had to share. And then for years, I would walk around like somehow I was an expert on Alaska because I had done a research paper. Anybody ever felt that way? And so I would always go, oh, I know all about Alaska, you know, yeah, and I could just tell you, you know, how many people lived there and, you know, what the climate was like and everything else like that. And then in 2010, for the first time in my life, I got to go to Alaska. And let me just tell you something. The research paper in sixth grade didn't really do it justice. Because as I stood there, there was one point in time I was on the phone with Julie, because Julie had no desire to go to Alaska, um, until I finally got her to go, and now she's good going. But as I stood there, waist deep in snow, looking at moose, with eagles flying overhead, where three rivers come together with mountains, I was like, you can't talk about this in a research paper. You can't experience this on a research paper. And you can know a lot about something and not know it until you actually experience it. So just ask yourself this question this morning, do I know about God or do I know God? Because there's a huge difference between the two. Do I know about God? Do, have I been brought up in church and given a lot of knowledge and can answer a lot of questions and know my books of the Bible and, you know, know the familiar stories and things like that? Or, or do I actually know God? Because what John is writing about in 1 John is that there is an absolute difference between this thing that we do in following God by, you know, the, the rules that we make or the religion that's been put there and the Jesus that he actually knew and touched and, and experienced life with. Because, again, as, as a quick reminder, what was happening was that people were together with, with what Jesus was truly teaching, and they were taking some bits of culture, or they were starting to perhaps leave out some things that they didn't understand, the idea of who Jesus was. And so it was beginning to water down people's idea of who Jesus was, and it was making it difficult for them to see Jesus clearly. And so John took it upon himself, the Apostle John, who walked with Jesus, took it upon himself to write this book and say, look, here's what you need to understand. If you knew the Jesus that I know, if you experienced Jesus, if you know him, not just know about him, there's no way that you walk away from this. There's no way that you don't give your life to him. There's no way that you don't truly follow him because when you know him, it's an experience like no other. It is something that you can't doubt. And so he writes about this. And then John says there's evidence in the hearts and the lives of the people who actually know Jesus. Not just know about him, but that they know him. And this is what he writes in 1 John. It's at, the, it's at chapter 2, starting in verse 3. He says, This is how we know that we know him. I love that phrase. This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands. Period. 
Let me just stop right there for just a minute. This is what John is saying. If you know the Jesus that I know, the way that we know that you know him is that you keep his commands. And the reason you keep his commands is because you realize that in knowing him, that there is no greater way that you can experience this life other than living it the way that Jesus has designed you to live it and experiencing the love and the forgiveness and the, everything that Jesus offers because of his death and his resurrection. If you know him you know that you know him because you obey his commands. And he goes on and gives some examples. He says, the one who says, I've come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. <laughs> now, in case you're, you're maybe more of a gray person and not the black and white person that John is here, let's just let that sink in. John says, if you say that you know him and you don't keep your, his commands, he doesn't say, well, maybe you're struggling with some things. Or perhaps you should go to some more Bible study. Well, you know, maybe you've had a rough time in life. John goes, if you say that you know him and you don't obey his commands, you're a liar. That's it. Period. There's, there's no gray area in this. No middle, grant, no middle ground. It says, and the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. And then he writes, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've had from the beginning. The old command is the word that you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he's in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister in the darkness walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So what John is saying is this, it's directed at those who were teaching and preaching and following things that were contrary to the Jesus that he knew. And he said following something other than Jesus, the Jesus that John knows, not the Jesus that John thinks he knows about, but the Jesus that John knows, he says that when you truly know him, you'll do what he teaches. That's, just, that's the evidence of being a follower of Christ is that you actually follow <laughs> I know that sounds a little redundant, doesn't it? But the evidence of being a follower of Christ is that you're following him, that you're doing what he says. And so John gives some examples along the way. He says you can't say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and yet hate your brother or sister. And so, boy, what about the climate that we live in right now? The culture that we live in right now is full of bitterness and hate. And sometimes we think if just because we're right about some things, and I'm not saying that we are or they are, but just because people think that they're right about some things, they think, that, they think it gives them reason to hate the other side or to be rude to the other side. And what John is saying, well, that's, that's not biblical. That's not the Jesus that I know. Because he says, here's, here's the two things that will happen in the life of those who say that they're walking in the light of, of the love of Jesus Christ. One, they'll do what Jesus says, and two, they're going to love their neighbor. Those are the things that you can see in their lives. So why is it that we complicate it more than that at times? Well, I'll just be honest, and you may have heard me say this a few times. I think one of the biggest struggles that we have sometimes 
is we look at the issues that are happening in our life or in our culture, and they're all around us, and we feel like these are huge, complex issues, and there couldn't possibly be an answer as simple as just follow Jesus and let him work it out a day at a time. Because we, we tend to think that, okay, no, if I, I've, I've got myself into this mess and I've got to fix this and I've got to do this and I've got to, you know, get all this stuff done. And then the other thing, to complicate it on top of that, not only do we somehow feel that because there's a complex issue that we've got to give it a complex solution. The other thing is, is we think that because we follow it once and then we go, well, this didn't work. Anybody ever been driving and t- now, okay, now this obviously isn't going to get me where I need to go. Anybody ever been driving and taking a wrong turn? Okay, so there's a famous trip that I have in my uh, youth ministry annals of um, I made a three-hour trip into an eight-hour trip one time for our students because we were going up through Oklahoma, and I missed an exit on the Indian Nation's turnpike. That's not a place you want to miss an exit because the next exit's like 26 miles. And so instead of just taking my lick and saying I missed the exit, We're going to unfortunately go up here 26 miles. We're going to turn around, and we're going to come back to where we know that we're supposed to go, and we're going to start again from there. I thought, no, we can take the next exit, and then we can figure it out from there. And so instead of just taking your lick, I got off at that exit and then proceeded to compound one bad decision with multiple other bad decisions that made a three-hour trip instead of if I would have just turned it around at that point in time made it a four-hour trip. No, I made it an eight-hour trip, trying to figure my way out through Oklahoma on back roads. And is it some rule that in Oklahoma that if you get a new tractor, you have to drive it on the road just to show I'm going 20 neighbors at that point? Is that true? (laughs) Okay, that's it. Because it seemed like here I am in this caravan of vans, and I'm going 25 miles an hour, and people are waving at each other in their tractor. Nice tractor, Jim. That's a nice tractor over there. I'm like, move. I got to go somewhere. But I just kept compounding the thing because I thought, well, I messed this one thing up, so I've got to fix this. I've got to figure this out. And so all of a sudden, I'm just on this journey. And, and here's the truth. The first time that I made a right, a correct turn to where I was supposed to go, I still had hours to go. Just because I got to the point where I finally said, okay, let's do this the right way and made the first correct turn, That had to be followed by multiple other correct turns over time to finally get to the place that I was supposed to go. Now, if you think about that in the context of your life, I think we would all agree that along the way in our life, we would have no problem standing up and admitting that I've taken a few wrong turns along the way. There's some decisions I've made or some things that I've said or some stuff that I've done that I felt like, you know, wasn't in the right direction or I know. But what do we do with that? Do we just take our licks at that point in time and then come back and go, okay, I, I need to make this right again? Or do we tend to try to cover those things up or figure it out? Because then what happens is you, you end up making a three-hour journey into an eight-hour journey in life no matter how far off center you've gotten right now. If you will just begin to follow me day by day, we will end up where we're supposed to be. And it might not be there today, and it might not be there tomorrow, or it might not be there the next week, but we have to follow Jesus and do it his way on a consistent basis daily, every day. And then we'll begin to see the results. You see, when you, when you know Jesus, what John says is that you will follow his way. And here's what we know about God's way. God's way requires perfection. 
it requires that there is no sin. And there, if we're going to walk in the light, in the presence of God, what John wrote before this is that there is no darkness in God. And so because we're required to walk in perfection and we realize I can't do that because obviously I've already messed something up. It's the blood of Jesus that covers our sin and allows us to walk with God. And, and so what we tend to do sometimes is complicate it by trying to add things to it or take things away from it or, or maybe 75% follow Jesus or 85%. And, and we go, well, I'm going to follow him. Sometimes we don't necessarily say this with our mouth, but we do say it with our lives. I'm going to follow him on the things that make sense to me to follow him about. But the things that don't make sense to me, I don't know that I'm going to trust him in that area. It says, and there's times it's not a true follower of Christ. A true follower of Christ does what Jesus says. And there's times that they do what Jesus says even when it doesn't make sense. You see, here's what we need to understand. We cannot lower God's standard to fit our circumstance. And what do I mean by that? Well, Sometimes, I'll be honest enough to tell you that God's word sometimes is difficult to follow. Sometimes God leads us to take a step that we go, I don't really feel like going in that direction. Or I don't know that that's the right thing to do. Or I don't understand how this is going to work out. And so therefore we have this struggle and we say, well, I don't know that I want to do it that way. Or, or we make some sort of excuse where we say, well, there's no way I can do it like that because, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not Jesus. And there was only one Jesus. And I know I'm supposed to live like him, but I'm not that way. And so therefore, instead of trusting God and taking the step in his direction, allowing the blood of Jesus to cover us and give us the power to take a step of faith in that direction, what we tend to do is we try to lower God's standards or argue with God's standards to fit our circumstance to make sense in our brain. And that's basically taking a step in the wrong direction. God's standard is perfection. He created this world and he created you and I to live in relationship with him and good relations already broken that with our sinfulness or our mistakes along the way. Don't complicate it by continuing to figure it out on your own. Trust God's these words. Don't try to lower things to make sense in your head. The psalmist writes these words in Psalm 119. Deal with your servant. Deal with your servant based on your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have violated your instruction. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts and hate every false way. John says, if you know Jesus, you'll follow Jesus. The words of Jesus will lead your life. And Jesus invites me to know him. That's that's the truth of this whole thing. Is that The amazing thing is that the God of the universe who created all things and created you, he invites us to have a relationship with him, to know him, not just know about him. We're not participating in church and we're not studying God's word so that we have to write a research paper about it. We're participating in it and we're coming to know God's word so that we can actually apply it and know him and follow him and experience what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. So as I've already said it a few times, 
There's two things that happen when I know Jesus. The first thing that happens when I know Jesus, when I know that I know Jesus, I will live out what the Bible says. That becomes our guide. We begin to look at life this way to say, okay, I don't necessarily know what I'm supposed to do in this circumstance, or maybe we even say it this way, I feel like I do know what I'm supposed to do in this circumstance. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to God's word, and as he leads me and guides me, this is how I'm going to live my life, according to the words of God. According to what this word says, that is how I'm going to live my life. No longer am I going to try to live my life based on what I perceive as best. Even if we're a good person and we think, well, I'm not even doing anything bad or wrong, it is a sin to say I'm going to do it my way instead of saying I'm going to follow God's way. When I know Jesus, I will live out what the Bible says. If this is how we know that we know him, if we obey his commands. This is how we know that uh, church, because I wouldn't want to pick on any modern church, because these things obviously don't happen anymore. People enjoyed the idea of, but what was happening in John's church is that people enjoyed the idea of following Jesus, but they didn't necessarily want to follow Jesus. They enjoyed the idea of following Jesus, of being a part of a church or a group, but when it actually came to following Jesus, and, whoa, 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 he says, love my enemies. Nah, I'm going to pass on that one. You know, I, I have a right to be upset at this person because do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said? Do you know how they, and Jesus, he may say love me, but, and I love it when people, but Jesus, he just doesn't know. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. And he's saying, love your enemies. Or Jesus wants me to, Jesus wants me to give. I don't know about that. You know, mm, you know, I don't know that. What do you mean Jesus wants me to follow him and trust him? And do, No, I don't like this idea. I want to hang out with some people and we'll worship God and we'll do this. But I don't know that I want to follow him. And that's what John was dealing with. And I'm so thankful we don't deal with that anymore today, right? To keep his commands. <laughs> it's true all the time. And so... This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. <laughs> he wrote in his gospel, the gospel of John, it's the words of Jesus, not the words of John here, that say, if you, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is Jesus talking. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Well, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, loved us and gave himself as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. You know, there's something amazing about the life live as an example of he did come, <coughs> excuse me, to this earth and live as an example of what it looks like to truly trust God at his word and follow him no matter what the circumstances around him dictated. There were plenty of times, if you familiarize yourself with the life of Jesus Christ, that you will come to understand that he was put in several difficult circumstances and circumstances that looked like it would have been better for him to, you know, maybe get out of there and do things his own way. But in every circumstance, no matter what level of difficulty it was, Jesus always chose to follow the words of God. And in doing so, we see what it was like for him to live that life. In perfection, And in doing that, we should be able to look at it and go, okay, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if I want to experience life in the way that God intends God, if I want to walk in the light as he is in the light, and if I want to experience life in the way that God intends for me 
to do this, then I need to obey his commands. And here's where I want to pause for just one second, because this is the truth. I could stand up here all day long and go, why? <laughs> why? Why do I need to do this? And that always comes to the offering us life. And the question that always comes to the basis of everything, the foundational question that we will wrestle with, is do I want to settle for life? And the other truth about why some people choose not to follow God and obey his commands is because they reach a certain place in life that they say, this is good enough. And they just stop. And I'll just tell you this. If you really think about it, and I'm going to, I'm going to be very stereotypical and overgeneralize something here for just one moment, but I think you'll get where this is going. Oftentimes when you see people who are coming to Jesus and are confessing their they come to him with some very difficult or dire circumstances in their life. They come to him with great needs and a realization of how much they fall short of being able to meet those needs. But one of the things like is success from God than just about anything else in this life I feel like is success and comfort. We get successful or we get comfortable in life and then therefore when Jesus gives us the opportunity to take a risk with our success or take a risk with our comfort, sometimes we back out and go, ah, it's not worth it. And we don't necessarily say that audibly to God with our words, but we definitely say it with our actions. We definitely say it with our time. And we definitely say it with our resources. John keeps trying to wave the banner all over. If you only knew the Jesus that I know, there's no way that you don't follow him. There's absolutely no way that you don't take every step of faith that he asks for you. So this is how you know that you know him. You follow his commands. And when you follow his commands, you find life that you wouldn't trade for anything else. That's the why behind this. And that's what happens in our heart and in our life. But then there's some outward things that happen when I know Jesus as well. When I know Jesus, I will love my neighbor. I will love my neighbor. We say this a lot in the culture right now because we feel like we have to teach it and repeat it. We don't have to agree with someone to love them because there's plenty of things in this culture that we're not going to agree with or people aren't going to agree with us. But there's one thing that a follower of Jesus Christ is called to do, enabled to do, empowered to do, and I would say even commanded to do, and that is to love your neighbor. And no matter what circumstance that you may be in, and no matter, hate, no matter how hateful culture or your neighbor may be to you, what God says is, if you know me, you will have the capacity to love your neighbor, no matter what your neighbor does to you. Let's think about the example that comes from Jesus Christ in this. Jesus Christ laid down his life for a lot of people who hated him. And he laid it down in love so that they could come to know him and have forgiveness. And so sometimes 
you know, and this idea of the American, I, I love my country, but I will give a criticism to this, America, this idea of the American dream is that, you know, sometimes we get so worked up about our rights as an American, we forget that Jesus laid down every right that he had as the son of God so that others might come to know him. And sometimes we try, to, we try to blend our walk with God and our rights and figure out how we fit those together. And let me tell you how they fit together. You take your rights and you throw them in the trash and you follow God, no matter where he leads you. That's how you get it to work. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And he did it for the purpose of loving our neighbors. And so the, the more that we try to hold on to all the things that we like about this world and this life and mix it with all the things that God is calling us to do, the more that we will blur our vision of Jesus Christ and we will not see him clearly. And what John says is, if you know the Jesus that I know, you'll leave it all behind and just follow him. And you'll trust him in every step. And when you do, you will experience life like no other. He says, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we're in him. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven and 40. Jesus himself was asked, okay, of all these commands, of all this stuff that's out there, all these rules, all these things that we know about, help us, Jesus, what's the most important thing? And Jesus replied, he said to the man who asked him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And what Jesus is saying is everything depends on these two things. Do you love God and do you love your neighbor? And here's the, the truth about it is if you don't love God, you really can't love your neighbor. Because we're going to have to have the power of God in our lives to be able to love the unlovable people that we may come in contact with. But what God says is there's a life that's greater than the one that you think that you can experience on your own. And the way that you get this life is to know me and to follow me. And when you do that, it will pour out on your neighbors as well. And it will be a life like no other. And so I go back to the very first question that we asked. Do you know about God or do you know God? Do you know about God or do you know God? Are you holding on to ideas and teachings or are you actually truly pursuing a relationship with a God who loves you and knows you because there is a path to life that we see laid out in John's words and that path to life is this the first thing you need to do is know Jesus then when you know Jesus you obey God's words and then because you obey God's words you will love others and when you continue to do those things day in and day out, you will experience life that goes beyond anything that you could possibly think or imagine. You will have hope and peace and joy, even though the circumstances of life may take you to the lowest of lows or the highest of highs, your foundation will be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he will lead you to find life on this earth and then life eternal once this one is done. And John says, if you know him, there's no way that you don't follow him.